Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse. It is my mission to show every person their true economic potential. Not just the money you can make, but your own ability to control your economic destiny and live the life you were meant for. I answer your questions and bring on guest hosts to share inspiring stories, teach valuable lessons, and offer a strategy or two. In the next half hour or so, I hope that you might learn something that could change your life. You are meant to live a good life, and I want to help you get there. Our guest today is Mike Merrill. Mike is a very interesting character in that he's a publicly traded person. He was introduced to me by Jefferson Nunn, our guest that we had on last week, and I definitely wanted to hear his story because what the heck is a publicly traded person? And uh, of course, he's going to explain it during the interview, so I'm not going to go into detail on that. But I loved having him on the show because it really illustrates the fact that whatever you're thinking probably isn't that crazy. There are so many such a variety of ways to do things in the world. You don't have to limit yourself. Yeah, I, I wanted to, to have him on the show because if you're an entrepreneur thinking, is my idea too far out of the box? And then you listen to Mike and say, oh, well, he sold shares of himself uh, to help make his decisions in life. So I guess my idea is not that far out of the box at all. So he really pushes the edge of the envelope of what is possible and what is crazy because crazy is working nine to five for no hope of promotion or raise or improvement that's crazy anything beyond that that's just trying things out so i'm really excited to bring you this interview uh, and we'll get right to it after this message When this episode comes out, there will be about 45 days left until 2021. And uh, by the time you listen to this, probably even less days left. 2020 has been an interesting year. Maybe you found some opportunities in it. Maybe it's been very challenging, but it's certainly been quite tumultuous and quite, uh, shall we say, complex. And the only way that 2021 is not simply going to be 2020 part two is if you set goals and make a plan to make it a better year. To help with that, I'm offering a free webinar called Prepare for 2021. I'm offering it in seven different times, uh, different days of the week, different times, to make sure that everyone has the chance to attend this free webinar because I want to make sure that everyone can make this their best year ever. So visit countdown.guywhoknowsaguy.com to sign up for the free Prepare for 2021 webinar. Again, countdown.guyonosaguy.com to sign up for this free webinar. And now, on to a fascinating interview with Mike Merrill. So I'm here today with Mike Merrill. Mike is a publicly traded person. Uh, I'm going to let Mike explain what that means. <laughs> it's, uh, it's always fun to explain because... Um, I mean, I think I invented it, so no one really knows what it is, but it means that I have uh, created a number of shares and I sell them and then people trade them. And most importantly, the reason they want them is I let people vote on my life decisions. So I'm a publicly traded person with a share price that goes up and down and sort of this group of people guiding my life decisions. Interesting. I'll start with the market mechanics of that. How do, how do the share prices go up and down? What determines that? It is the most 
simple market you could possibly imagine, which is there's a list of buy offers and a list of sell offers on a website, uh, kmikeem.com, if anyone's interested. And there's no automation, no anything. You just go, and if you like one of the current, you know, the current buy offer, a current sell offer, you make a trade, and then that bumps my price either up or down. Okay, and then they, so they have to actually send money from shareholder to shareholder to buy shares? Yeah, so I actually, I designed it, um, I've been doing this for a long time, so I started in 2008, and I kind of, I had a TD Ameritrade account at the time, so I kind of used that as a little bit of the model. You actually deposit funds first, so you have shares and funds in your account, and then you, um, and then those kind of move back and forth between the users, Um, and at any point, people can kind of contact me to cash out whatever sort of money is in the account. Okay. And now, now do you occasionally have uh, uh, stock offerings to bring in more more capital or how does how does that work? Kind of. So again, uh, being a publicly traded person is pretty different than being a publicly traded company in that there was not enough initial demand for a uh, for an IPO. So I kind of just started, I said very arbitrarily, I said there are 100,000 shares and I'm selling them at a dollar a share. Let's see what happens. And what happened was, is as I was involved in the market and had all of this massive amount of shares, I could kind of undercut the price. And people were, uh, the other shareholders got a little disappointed with that. So we came to an agreement that I would only auction off a chunk of shares like once a year. And so they would know ahead of time before I kind of diluted them or or anything like that. But there is a maximum amount of 100,000 shares. Um, and... I only do kind of a, a capital raise once a year. Okay, uh, and and so what? What made this? What what, got, what inspired you to do this? Um, yeah, so I I kind of grew up online, and uh, back in sort of the early two thousands was running, you know, various internet communities, all all for fun, nothing uh, business related at the time, and. I had this project that I wanted to do that I needed to raise money for, and I wasn't able to raise quite enough money by the deadline, but I still had a lot of people promising that they would have given me money for this pretty dumb idea. We can get into that if we want to later, but I thought, why, and instead of having to convince people to give me the money for each individual project, what if there was a way to just collect a bunch of money and then we could vote on how to use it? And so it was kind of this idea of like, could I create this kind of community of people that would all invest um, and then, you know, and then we could apply that money at these different kind of ideas. Um, that that was that kind of project base was my original kind of thought with this. It quickly diverted to control of my personal life. I like to say that's the, it was the invisible hand of the market that kind of grabbed me and pulled me in that direction. Mm-hmm. And people started getting. Uh, oh, sorry. I was say, people started getting more interested in that than in the various projects that I was up to. Okay. Now, is this? Are, are you supporting yourself with this? Is this just a side thing, and you have other businesses, or how, how does this work uh, has, financially? Yeah. So it's mostly been a side thing. I've I've almost always been fully employed while working on this project. There was a couple times, um, most notably uh, in 2013, I co-founded a company and. I asked my shareholders if I could have um, a certain chunk of shares to sell into the market to support myself during that time. So it's been a nice cushion at those times, and uh, and I've I've used it in that way. I've also been able to pay people in shares to do certain things, and so it's been a nice way to augment uh, 
um, how kind of like I can kind of uh, uh, incentivize certain behaviors that way. Um, but I've never, I, I haven't like lived on it like kind of full time ever. I've, I've kind of let it be this extra thing that, that carries along. Um, okay. And so a, a lot of people, uh, you know, I, I imagine we be somewhat concerned about sort of privacy implications of it and personal autonomy and whatnot. What is it like to have, have shareholders who are controlling your personal life? It's pretty, I, I'm, I'm sure it's very, very weird. I've also been doing it so long that I think about my shareholders pretty often. Um, I, I definitely part of being a publicly traded person is to be public. Like I share pretty much everything with them uh, that I can possibly think to um, as much as I think they would care to read. I, I write them, there's a, there's a smaller group that gets a daily email from me. There's a weekly email. There's kind of project updates. There's a Slack channel. Uh, they're free to contact me whenever they want. So there's a number of ways in which they're fully integrated into my life, as well as these big decisions that I'm making that they get to vote on and argue about. So it's um, it it feels pretty normal to me now, but I, I kind of recognize that it's a it's a it's pretty radical to distinctly measure everybody's impact on your life. And how do you decide what uh, what gets voted on and what's your own? I assume like with a public traded company, uh, you vote on who the who the uh, officers are, maybe the board members, a couple of major policies. But other than that, the executives actually make the day to day decisions. So what what raises to the rises to the level of things worth a shareholder vote versus things that you you do autonomously? My the two kind of ways that uh, a vote comes up is uh, my internal sort of uh, heuristic is anything I would normally ask friends advice about is a shareholder question. So if I find myself in the course of conversation asking a friend, you know, well, not at a bar anymore, but, you know, at a bar for, hey, I've been thinking about this thing. I'm like, oh, that's a trigger for like, that's a shareholder question. Um, and then the other thing is if if a shareholder has an idea and really, you know, and, and I can kind of get on board with it, I'm, I'm also happy to kind of take ideas from the shareholders as well. Makes sense. And so I'm looking at your your value graph here, and uh, it looks like it started as far back as it goes, about $3. But yeah, a huge spike around 2012, 2013, where your share shot up to, looks like $15, $16. But uh, yeah. since then, it's been hovering in the $5 range. Do you have any thoughts as to why it spiked up like that, or why there was a, a mic, mic bubble? And yeah. <laughs> uh, how it equilibrated? It was, uh, I hit this kind of uh, trifecta of press attention right about then. There was a Wired article um, and then an Atlantic Monthly article, both of which propelled me onto the Today Show. So I went and uh, I was on television. And I, I thought for sure the, in my mind, this being a very kind of technology and financial based project, I thought Wired is going to be the thing that really moves the needle. I had no idea the power of morning television. It was- oh yeah. It was astounding. I think I spent like two or three days just fulfilling orders. It was a lot more manual then. It was um, it was a wild ride. And so because there was all this extra uh, you know, demand and not enough supply, I watched my share price shoot up and I had no way to take advantage of it. And then you know, later was able to kind of introduce some more shares in the market and capture some of that value. But most of that was captured by my shareholders. Okay, well, which is always good because they they were good enough to invest. Um, And so we're going to take a quick break and uh, then we'll come back and, and ask more questions of Mike Merrill, the first publicly traded person. 
I am driven by a mission that is more than just getting clients and having you pay me for things. I really want to help people make a difference in their lives. What I found was that some people simply aren't in a place where they can afford the programs that I offer. And how can they get started if they can't get into the program, but how can you get in the program if they can't get started? Well, to help them, I created a course called How to Make Your First $1,000 in Entrepreneurship. It is only $9, so that's affordable for pretty much anyone. You can probably find that money in the couch cushions. You can go to 1k.guywhoknowsaguy.com to sign up for that course for only $9. It gives you some quick starter techniques, some strategies, some ways to start building your online brand and get started to make your first thousand. Once you have that first thousand, then you're able to invest in other programs, whether they're mine or someone else's or advertising or anything just to get going. But again, it's 1k.guyonosaguy.com to sign up for the $9 course, how to make your first thousand dollars in entrepreneurship, which I think will really help a lot of people. And now back to our great interview with Mike Merrill. Okay, we're back with Mike Merrill, the first publicly traded person. Now, I noticed uh, looking at your site that it mentions a second publicly traded person. Is this something that's that's caught on? It's caught on a little bit. There's been these different experiments happening, and especially with the rise of cryptocurrency and specifically personal tokens, there's been a lot more people experimenting with it. And so there is a there's a, a guy named Alex, um, and he he's created the infrastructure to do a lot of this stuff in the crypto space. And it's it's super interesting to see everything I've replicated in you know a very simple website. He's you know put up on this. He, he doesn't have to run his own exchange, right? He he gets to just say I'm going to do this, but I don't have to manage all of the overhead. And so I'm a little bit jealous of that in some ways. And it's it's interesting to see other people experiment with it in different directions. That, that does sound like a pretty cool concept. Uh, and, and part of the reason I was excited to have you on the show, besides, of course, the fact that you're the first uh, uh, publicly traded person, you've been on national television, and, and so thus kind of a big deal, uh, is that on the show, I try to emphasize the idea that people can make their own destiny. You know, so many people out there, they're, they're suffering in wage work, what I sometimes call wage slavery, and they don't think there's anything else they can do. And so when I see these, these alternate examples, uh, I imagine if, if uh, you thought it was a good idea to be a publicly traded person, you're probably not, you know, working a, a regular nine to five retail job, I assume. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of following your own your own dreams, your own destiny, and and how you've managed to seize control of your life to to make it yours instead of just letting the the economy push you around. Yeah, mine has my path has been entirely driven by side projects that either had like in this case have gained enough attention. Um, to, to promote me or, or promote what I'm doing or my interests and kind of make me a, a quote unquote subject matter expert um, in finance, which I am, I am not in any way. Like I came to this knowing nothing about how financial markets worked and kind of had to reinvent it all. But in, in that way, created it um, from the ground up and really understood it at a fundamental, like what are the mechanics of how this work? Um, and, and I've had friends come in who have never bought shares before, you know, and buy a share of me for fun and then kind of get into it and start exploring some of these things and start buying shares and doing these things. And so it's kind of put me in this position of being the, the expert in the space. Um, and, and so I think doing something that you really enjoy and just putting it out in the world and documenting your progress on learning about it is probably the biggest like shortcut or, or hack to getting kind of like getting out of that 
oh, I'm just selling my time for money versus like I'm actually known for something and I can contribute at that level. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I was suggesting to someone recently because um, they wanted to do a podcast, but they said, well, I don't really know enough. What can I do? And I said, you don't know enough. So find 30 people who know more than you about what you want to learn about. Get them on your show, ask them the questions and have them teach you for free because they're guests in your podcast. Um, so exactly what you're saying, you know, documenting your path to learning and your path to uh, path to growth is something people really enjoy being a part of. I, I think we're really afraid to be ignorant about something. And really, that's a it's such a huge advantage because when you come to something without any knowledge of it, you're applying the quote unquote wrong framework to it initially. And, and your take on it is going to be wildly different than all the kind of experts in that space. And there's some really like, as you get up to speed, that's going to create interesting conversations as well as like, you're actually going to get smarter about it. So it, it yeah. kind of works both ways, especially for a listener. Yeah, you, you're totally right. And, and I, I've had times where my biggest advantage in a room has been my lack of specific knowledge. As a coach, I often work with people who do things I don't know much about. You know, one of my one of my clients is an artist. I am definitely not an artist. I don't know the art market. I don't know how any of it's supposed to work, but I know the basic market of, of being able to sell. And so instead of talking about art, because she looks at art, she's like, oh, I don't know how to get into galleries. I don't know how to get into these shows and whatnot. I'm like, well, so don't, you know, get on <laughs> Patreon, get on Redbubble, get on, um, on these platforms where people who like your art can give you money and you've got people want to give you money and they like your art. So start getting them to give you money and then have more people give you money. There you right. go. Um, yep. yeah, I, I don't know how art works, but I know if you want people to give you money, give them a way to do so and let them do it yep. and then do the thing they like. So they give you more of it. Uh, so, so, you know, my, my ignorance is often an asset with, with some of the people I coach exactly like, like you're saying there. And I think sometimes the dumb question can really unlock something for someone who's just used to doing things in a certain way over and over and over again. Um, mm -hmm. a, a friend of mine is a TV writer and I asked her, I was like, what's the difference between like your manager and your agent, both of whom are taking 10% of your income. And she was trying to explain it to me. I was like, no, no, well, what does your manager do? And she couldn't quite explain it. What does your agent do? Couldn't quite explain it. And I was like, why are you giving 20% of your income to both of, you know, to these people and you can't even define <laughs> what they do. There's no accountability. It's just, that's how the system works. And I was really, yep. I was shocked. And, you know, and now, you know, I don't know if it's because of me, but now she only has one of those people and not two of them. So yeah. uh, I like, to, I like to think I sparked that at least. Well, in, in 2020 has been huge for that in, in making people have to rethink everything. You know, people have been mm -hmm. in business for 10, 20 years. They've never thought about their business or fundamentally what they do or who they serve. And all of a sudden they need to get down to the root of like, do I need to see people in person? Do I need a storefront? How, do, how do I function? Yeah. You know, I'm a retail store. How do I function without being a retail store? And and some have adapted brilliantly and their business is up and others, of course, couldn't make the pivot. And and now they're you know flat on their face and struggling. Uh, but but it's it's so important to be able to to adapt because that's all the all the brilliant innovations come from someone being like, why do we do it this way? Yeah. And, and anyone who is able to figure that out or, or, or struggle through it on the other side is now going to have, you know, essentially two lines of revenue, right? You'll have the in-person direct retail as well as the online. And now you're, you're potentially twice as big. You have a much bigger audience than you had before, which is pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much to learn there. I, and I've, I've always been a fan of, of bringing in, you know, that, that's why things like junior board members are powerful for nonprofits or even companies, you know, bring in a high school kid, 
and mm-hmm. and bring them in as an apprentice, but give them the power to ask, hey, why do we do this? Because sometimes you'll be like, well, of course we do it because we're required to by law. And other times they'll say, hey, why do we do it this way? And everyone's like, well, because we, uh, uh, wh- why do we do it this way? Yep. I don't know because it, it doesn't make sense. We've just always done it and never thought about it. Yeah, there's there's so many ways even now, like when I was creating this project, I, I looked for models, you know, like I said, like TD Ameritrade and things like that. And I was doing it again. I'd be like, oh, you shouldn't have to deposit money. And then because now I have to be custodian of your funds. Uh, you should just be able to do it directly. That would have been would have been much smarter of me to, you know, to not use the model of the way things had been done. Mm-hmm. Yep, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and so so what is your next big side project you're working on? Uh, currently, so I sold my, well, no, I didn't sell. I, I sold an option to my life rights, um, to Sony television pictures. So potentially there's going to be a television show about this concept, uh, which is pretty exciting. And I've been kind of through that thinking more and more about trying to do things in the entertainment space. So, uh, you know, a lot of fingers crossed, knock on wood, cause I think a lot of promises get made. <laughs> And things yeah, of course, don't yeah. happen. But uh, yeah, but if, if it's not this project, then maybe something else. So I'm trying to sell into the Hollywood machine right now. Okay. Uh, and and are, are you in, in Los Angeles? Yes, I moved here about three years ago. So I uh, okay. basically got here just in time for lockdown. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, great timing. Good. Well, well planned. Well played. Uh, and all right. So your website is kmikeym. So kmikeym.com. Uh, and so can anyone just go on there and open an account and, and yeah. buy shares of, of Mike Merrill? I, I will apologize in advance. We haven't updated the site much since 2008, so it's pretty simple, but um, it works, you know. And so uh, the, the I would say the innovations are more around the questions and the community interaction than anything else. Um, and, and that's really the superpower of this project is I have a I have an instant community of people around me uh, essentially at all times that I can ping. I can go on Slack right now and say, hey, I'm doing this you know, podcast with someone, what do you know? You know, and, and they'll all go out and, you know, not again, it's not thousands, but it's like a couple people that are super active. And, um, it's, it's been a really, I would say again, especially within, uh, sort of the quarantine lockdown, it's been really nice to have a group of people you can turn to. Yeah. And actually that seems tremendously valuable since my, my core business offering right now is the skills plus accountability equals success program, which mm-hmm. is basically built around, um, having a core group of people who are also entrepreneurs like uh like you know like the the members uh to to go back to and say hey i've got this thing going on what do you think um because most entrepreneurs don't you don't you don't want to just ask your friends or ask your your family because one they probably don't understand and two they're like oh more your business questions i don't even get this um so i mean it sounds like you've you've created a tremendous asset for yourself in in this of course they're literally invested in you yeah, exactly. And and it's been, again, the, you know, there was that initial kind of panic that I think we all had of like, what does lockdown mean? And we all started figuring out. Um, I started a, a shareholder poker game, just the most innocuous, ridiculous kind of thing. We get together once a week on Zoom and, and using, mm-hmm. you know, and we play poker together. And it's the most like direct interaction I've had with the shareholders, the small group of them, at least in the history of this project. I'm like, why did it take me until like a uh-huh. pandemic to to develop this like level of depth in the community you know before it was just very broadcasting out so that's that's really st- stuck with me as far as the these kind of like sometimes these like kind of horrible events can really shake things up in a good way 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I actually, I used to own a game store in my, my younger mm-hmm. years. And so I'd play D&D and Magic and Munchkin and all those all the time. And when the store closed in 2008 uh, and I moved down to Connecticut in 2011, I kind of lost touch with that. Didn't run, you know, wasn't D&D for a decade. And once I got on Zoom, I'm like, wait, you can run a D&D game on Zoom. And I started running a D&D game with friends in three different states and all of a sudden, I had this regular social interaction like I had not had since I moved to Connecticut in 2014. I mean, I've got a huge network of like business contacts, but I don't have a lot of social contacts. And yeah, it, exactly what you said. I, I'm finding I'm I feel more socially connected now through these virtual interactions than I was than I was before. Yeah. And uh, and you know, Zoom's been around for years. I just was never on it until exactly. I had to be, and all of a sudden, I was forced to do the right yeah. thing. And, and, and it's hard now because I think people that are sort of trapped on Zoom for work, they don't necessarily want to use it for their recreational time. And so it's nice to have even some of these other, even if it's the same idea of a video call or whatever, that it's not sometimes when it's not Zoom. Like uh, I actually have a role playing group and we use Roll20.net. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and I think for the people that have to be on Zoom all the time, it's nice to be on something that's like feels a little bit different. Even if it's not quite as good, it feels like more playtime and less like work time. I could see that. Yeah. Just, yeah. Change the, change the heuristic of it. And, um, and and there's, there's a few of them, you know, there's, there's Google meet, which is insinuating itself into every calendar event. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've had more meetings where someone's like, Oh, I went to the meet. I thought that's where I was supposed to be because that's what showed up on the calendar invite. I'm like, no, no. I had a phone call like that this morning. It was the exact same thing. I'm sitting there with my camera on already. And then um, he was like, "Uh, I've been calling your cell phone. And I was like, oh, I wasn't even looking at my phone. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Well, it's been great to have you on the show. And that website, again, is kmikeym.com for anyone looking to to buy shares of Mike Merrill. I think I might actually buy a few myself because that community sounds like a pretty cool concept. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks so much. It's really fun to chat with you. I am truly blessed and truly grateful that 2020 has been good to me and my family. And in spite of that, I'm still looking forward to being over. Right? 2020's had a good run, but uh, it can go now. Between COVID and unrest and elections issues, politics, division, all that... It's time for it to go. But how do we make sure that 2021 is not just a continuation of 2020? We do that by making a plan and by setting goals. And that is why I am offering a free webinar called Prepare for 2021. I'm offering it on seven different occasions at different times of day, different days of the week, to make sure that everyone has the chance to come and get a solid plan for the new year on paper so that 2021 can really be your best year ever. Visit countdown.guywhoknowsaguy.com to sign up for this free, exciting webinar. Countdown.guywhoknowsaguy.com. This is the last word from Michael Williams. So I had recorded a different last word, uh, but just before I did post-production on this episode, I watched the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. This is the story of a a hard-boiled reporter who has had a difficult life due to family issues, meeting Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, and discovering that he is an authentically good person and kind of rethinking his life and his anger and how he approaches things. And it got me thinking that I am very fixated on the future and what I have done and haven't done. I tend to work seven or eight days a week. And 
And it got me thinking that perhaps I am not properly appreciating what I already have. Now, I'm growing my business some degree at this stage because I need to be able to pay the bills. I have this wonderful house, but I have to be able to pay for it. I have a wonderful daughter, but I have to be able to, you know, feed her and buy her things. But that doesn't mean that I should be ignoring taking advantage of and being grateful for all these things. And my daughter asked me, she said, hey, can we go fishing tomorrow? Now, I know nothing about fishing, but uh, our uh, my my half-sister and her husband did take her fishing once. We have a fishing pole. And I said, yes, let's do that. And normally Sunday is a day when I do the production on these podcasts and do some other planning for the week. But I said, let's get that done Saturday night so that Sunday I have free to spend with my daughter. And the point I want to make here for you is to make sure that you are focusing on having gratitude and appreciation for what you have now. I am very guilty of fixating on the future, what I don't have, what I don't have yet, what I'm working towards, never really stopping and saying, wow, I've got a lot, and I really do have a tremendous amount to be grateful for. I have wonderful friends. I have a fantastic family. I now have a wonderful house. I've got a good, reliable car. I've got a business, which means that I don't need to be working a crummy or dangerous job. I have so many things to be thankful for. So uh, starting this week, I'm going to try something. I'm going to try doing some things. I'm not going to commit to do it forever, but I'm going to try it. Um, First, I'm going to spend a few moments in silence every morning, uh, probably a few minutes, meditation-ish, but but at least silence, just silent contemplation, and then writing down what I am grateful for so I don't forget again because it's so easy to forget when you get busy and everything happens and, and life just takes over. I mean, it seems like I blinked and it was March became November. And I looked at my daughter who was six and it feels like it was about a week and a half ago when she was born. So it'll be another blink of the eye, and suddenly she'll be moving out and off to college. So I want to slow down and just do those two little things, focusing on uh, taking a little bit of silence and also taking some time to appreciate and be grateful for the things that are so good in my life and what I'm working for, ultimately what I'm working for. Because I think in some ways what might be holding me back in growing my business is that people can sense that that I'm I'm not being totally authentic because I'm not being totally honest with myself. I'm not fully appreciating all the wonderful things I have. And if I'm not, then I come off as flat. I come off as disingenuous. I come off as, as a machine. And I, I don't want to do that because I am a person. I am, really. And I really do care about the people I work with. That's why I do what I do because I really want to make things better. Uh, So I'm also going to focus a bit more on helping people, which of course I always help people, but, you know, focusing on helping and simply trusting that God will see to it that I am fed and housed uh, if I focus on doing good and helping people. And perhaps you can take some things from this lesson as well. I do recommend that you watch the movie Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Uh, but maybe take a moment to think about what you're grateful for. In fact, share it with me. Email me, michael at guyknowsaguy.com. Let me know what you're grateful for. Let me know what is uh, is so great in your life. Uh, Maybe the things that you are overlooking, the things you're not paying attention to, because there is just so much to be grateful for. And that is my last word. This is the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast with Michael Whitehouse. Segment introductions by Rowan Whitehouse. Our theme song is composed by Patrick Howard of Four Unicorns Design. Other music was Bits and Bites by Klaus Appel and Summer Ambient Piano by Raphael Crook of 
filmmusic.io. Find us on the web at www.guywhoknowsaguy.com. Questions can be submitted in written form or as an audio file to michael at guywhoknowsaguy.com. If you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. You can also follow The Guy Who Knows a Guy on Facebook at facebook.com slash the guy who knows a guy. If you know someone who may enjoy this episode or the podcast as a whole, we welcome you to share our links with them. Thanks. I'll see you next week. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect. JV-Connect.com. That's JV-Connect.com. December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.